Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan, and I'm delighted to be joined by Nathan Doyle and Neve McGee from TheBigKickoff.com. Now, this week was, or last week I should say, was a double week in the League of Ireland. Dundalk again, two games in a row, it couldn't get a win, two draws, two one-all draws, and Nathan, it's just rumbling on. We didn't actually think that it was going to keep going on this long. No, no, we certainly didn't. And I think we're, we're we're going past the stage now. We feel of you know it's only early days. Where we're really starting to see sides come together and and, and deform. Well, what they what they might look like going forward this season. And yeah, if I look by looking at them, I suppose uh, from a same past point of view, I, I, I watched the game on um, on Saturday and see see were okay, see were all right, especially in the second half. You had a little bit of doubting, but yeah, look, even away from the performance wise, the two results they'd be looking at. They, they, Playing past at home and then going to a, a struggling uh, Derry City side, yeah, they definitely would have been hoping for more than what he got. And especially considering everything that's been going on around the club, even off the field, I think they're just really desperate now just just for those three points because it's just to get that mon- monkey off the back, really, isn't it? And the longer it goes on, it's, it's just going to become more and more pressure for, for those uh, on the field and off the field uh, all the park. Yeah, Neve. I watched the the two games actually, and I, the game against Derry, it really looked like a game of two teams in a position where they were. There was lack of confidence, not much going on. The two goals, I, I mean, you could say that Dundalk's goal against Derry was a great, well worked goal. There was four or five passes uh, from one end to the other but then again you look at Derry and you'll say listen how did they get four or five passes one of them was a 30 yard uh, cross field ball so you're looking at the two of them and you're going okay there's there's some things that are good about you but there's there's quite a bit that needs to be fixed do Dundalk and we'll just stick with Dundalk for a second do Dundalk really need to get a manager in quick or should they take their time and try and get the right person not that they couldn't get the right person if it was quick you know, look, I think bringing in a manager just gives them a sense of security and it'll just kind of boost up their reputation as well. Maybe they're lacking a bit of confidence because they know what's going on on the side, you know. It's not happening on the field, but it's definitely impacting the club and impacting the supporters all the time the same way. So I think if they get a manager in, it'll bring them that confidence as well. And again, a better manager might give better logistics, better tactics to go ahead and actually play on the field as well. It's obviously really linked up. So. I think the sooner they get a good manager sorted and as soon as they can possibly bring him in, the quicker and the more chances they have of actually starting to get wins because, like you said, they're struggling. They want to just give themselves a good name. And it's been a few weeks now. It's no longer really a question of just, like Nathan said, early days and players just gelling. We're kind of gone past that stage. So, yeah, the, the quicker they bring a manager in, the quicker I think they have a chance to revive the, the whole team, really. Yeah, Nathan, David Healy's been talked about. What have you heard? Yeah, not only uh, David Healy that's been, it's, it's been actually a little bit, well, probably not surprising, you know, the dark a big job, but I've been surprised in, in the short amount of time how many uh, names have been linked with this job, you know, uh, like the likes of Vinnie Pearce, John Sheridan, Jared Little, uh, Stephen Henderson's another one, and yeah, Alex said David Healy. Uh, probably not surprised to, to see there's a couple of guys in that list, like Healy, like Jared Little, um, 
that have links with, with Northern Ireland, obviously Jim uh, McGilton that's in there at the moment as a sporting director, uh, is a form of uh, a strong link with the OSA anyway. Um, so yeah, it's not surprising to, to see the sort of, some of the names being banded about having a bit of a reputation uh, as managers up in Northern Ireland. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what ever those names, who, who gets whittled down. I know Vinnie Pearce sort of, not publicly put himself forward, but he did say he'd answer the call and he did say he, he's severely think about it. So, yeah, I don't know about you guys. Who do you think would, would be the best show to, to go back in? I think Vinnie Pearce might be a bit of a steady hand that knows the club. He might be mm-hmm. a good hand to, to guide the ship. Um, it's just been such a turbulent time at the moment. I think someone like that is what he needs a minute. Well, I, I just can't see... Vinnie Pert. I know he said he'd go back, but I just don't see how it would work. If it didn't work the first time, how is it going to work the second time? I'm I'm not sure on that one. As to say who should go in, I think it, it probably needs a fresh face to to keep going back to the same people throughout the league who aren't doing the best it within the league. You're probably just going down the wrong road again. I think you probably need to bring in someone fresh, someone new. But if they're working under what everyone else has been working under up there, they're not going to have a, a damn in hell's chance anyhow. So, yeah, I, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure at all. Nave, if you look at Derry City again, I, again, I'm watching the game, I thought they were OK. I, I think they're starting to play better football than they did last year. I think there's a lot of young players. There's a lot of good young players, but there's a few teams down there with them in all fairness and they're, and they're not way off or anything like that but they really do need to start getting wins under their belt Yeah look they're a very young physical side and uh, again because they're a young side maybe a bit more time to develop the next maybe couple of matches but they're definitely not lacking and there's not a big gap between them and the rest of the clubs towards the end of the table either so I definitely think they're going places and they definitely will slowly move up the table Yeah one thing I noticed Nathan with the League of Ireland it's no different than the Irish national side there just isn't great goal scorers out there is there? No no and that's something we've, we've been harping on about now for quite a while even if, even talking about you know our preview of, the, of this season I think I said and for nearly every club that, that they were really lacking a goal scorer and it's, it's starting to come through a little bit isn't it? Like you can even see as good as Shamrock Rovers are going forward you know the, the, the past two games they've been relying on late goals Again, winning it back to my own clubs in Park is Athletic. That's look, that's a really good pass squad, you know. And we're going to get onto that, you know. But the one team that's missing badly is a goal scorer, and it's it's not only a, a team that's with individual clubs. It seems to be something that's league wide, you know. Even aside at the moment, like Sligo, who are scoring on a regular basis, um, Romeo Parks, Wiley will pick up goals. So I think I always say it about Parks. If you go back and look at his finishing rate overall over a whole season. His goals tally can really be double of what it ends up being. Like he's finishing on a on on a, as a whole really it's pretty hit and miss, I have to be honest, you know, like while he will like I said, he get up and he will pick up goals, you know, but he tends to he tends to miss some chances that he really shouldn't be and yeah, it just seems to be an issue. Yeah, like you said, not only in the league itself but the country. I don't know, is it something to do with maybe the grassroots level where just now um, developing strikers a way we should be? Because we never really seem to have issue with the likes of vendors, it seems to be strikers. It's always something that I saw a few and far between. Like you see, at a national level now with the likes of uh, Robbie Keane and even Noel Quinn before him are gone. We've struggled ever since that. And really, we're already this season, you know, we're, we're not going to see a striker. I don't think go head and shoulders above anybody in terms of goal scoring. No, Neve, let's take that topic up of St. Pat's. Joint top at the moment on 14 points. What have you made of them so far? 
Yeah, like very, very impressive play. Again, uh, just good connectivity between the players and they do struggle for the go-to score and more than basically every other club in the league as well. But I think they're highly competitive and I think it's going to be a close win. They're going to be looking to stay up in the top two or three and that's where I think they'll stay going by what I've seen so far. They're not going to struggle. They're a very solid side, a really good, solid defensive line as well. It's quite hard to get through the back line at past the minute as well. So yeah, they've got a good mix throughout as well and some good signees. So I think they're looking to stay where they are and I think they can do it if they continue playing like they are now without a doubt. Hopefully. Nathan, you <laughs> obviously watched, I didn't get to see the game against Waterford. How, how did that go and, and did it bring anything different? Um, do you know what? It, it brought a maturity to it that I wasn't expecting. And that's not a knock on the pad side. It's it's more so, there was a lot of changes as you'd expect, you know, with, with the, the three games in six days. So, well, expecting expect, you know squad rotation. Uh, young lads like the likes of uh, Dara Bones came in, Ben McCormick came in for his first start, Alfie Lewis came in for his first start. So I was while on paper, you know, you'd expect on current form, you'd expect Pat to be uh, Waterford pretty handy at home. While it wasn't that dominant performance, uh, the maturity level was absolutely fantastic. You know, like I said, three lads. Uh, predominantly playing in the midfield, we got through the Waterford midfield, uh, not a bothersome. Uh, Alfie Lewis in particular really impressed me with his link up play for a, for a lad that not only of his age but of his inexperience with men's football in general. You know, this is just his first start it, 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 of senior football in his career, and he, he was out there and he was pretty much dominating everything that went through that same past midfield. Yeah, look, it was a good performance. It, it was. Not to be really writing home about, you know, like especially in the fourth half again goes back to, to the missing um, goal scorer. Pat really could have been two or three up at half times. Ron Coughlin in particular had had two really good chances. So it probably shouldn't have been as nervy as it needed to be, you know, like at one nil, we you know anything can happen. So yeah, I think Pat's they're missing that bit of a killer instinct at the moment, you know, a lot even a lot of build up play. The build up play is nice, it's safe, you know, it's um, but it's not going anywhere in a hurry. And even when you get to the to the further end of the pitch, I'd like to see players just have a shot every now and again. I know that might sound very basic to say, and, it's, uh, and it, it is, but it's just something that isn't happening, you know. Like there's a lot of um, a lot of nice movement even outside the 18-yard box, and there's a couple of opportunities open. But players just aren't having a go, and they're trying to think overdo it a little bit. So I think if we can find that balance of keeping the nice build-up play, but having a little bit of a killer instinct at the end of it, I think Pat could be a real problem. I think it'd be a difficult side to play regardless this season. But while you would take one nil win if it, if it means you, you stay at the top end of the table, there's, there's definitely room to improve. Yeah, there's definitely room for more goals to come, and that's, I think that's only the one voice that I have with Pat at the moment this season. I'll give you one big opportunity here, Neve Sligo Rovers, top of the league, playing really well. A great three-one victory against Bohemians. Uh, tell us about it. Yeah, I was delighted with the results, obviously, and our forward line has drastically changed since last season. I'm just noticing that it's working a lot better, I think. Buckley as well, he's making better decisions regarding subs and who's in and out, but that mix-up play and the linkage between the likes of Parks, Gibson, it works very, very well. And then you've got Johnny Kenny, that goal he scored there on Saturday, the running ball, it was just brilliant. Like Not a lot of players have the confidence to do that, so... Yeah, we've built up a good team with the signees and uh, I was delighted with that result. Uh, we've had a few missed balls in the middle of the field over, over the last couple of weeks, but something we can improve on. That's the only thing I kind of struggle with is sometimes the centre-back position or the midfield. But yeah, the forward line is impressing me. Nathan, I said it uh, at the start of the season. I still, I think they're very strong. Uh, it was after the first game, in all fairness, but they look very strong up front, Sligo. 
they seem to me to be a team that are going to challenge. Some people have said not. What do what do you make of them? Yeah, I think so. I, I think even before the start of the season, it would have been mad not not to even have them up at the European position. Just boy, how much he improved, you know. Like I said a couple of times, I thought he really struggled midfield uh, last season. I thought he was almost very naive and very weak in the middle. But that's gone now, you know. I, I got to look at a couple of highlights, which doesn't tell you the whole story. But it's, it's Greg Bolger made a couple of midway passes against Bowles. But even even away from that, what he went in the middle of the park is already going to bolster. That's Sligo Rovers midfield. And while I say it's impossibly a difficult side to play, I think Sligo, at the moment, on current form, are really the ones to beat. You know, like that was a real statement to go out and beat Bohemians in Dalyman Park as well, in such a way that they did. Um, I, like I said, I didn't get to see the full game. I was chatting to people about the match itself, you know, and there was one or two that I wasn't too happy with the first half performance, but then they, they go out to the second half and it's completely different. Um, and even in fairness, and Jordan Gibson, Miguel popping up in an absolute cracking goal. Like, the build-up play of that goal alone will, will tell you all the improvements that Floyd Rowland had made in the off-season. That's what, while a lot of teams do, will struggle when they make a couple of changes in terms of personnel, there seems to be already seems to be a good fluidity to that Sligo team, you know, like there was plenty of slick moving, good passing, and a lot of, a lot of chips as well. The, the, the chip players, like, it's going out of fashion for the Jordan Gibson goal. So, yeah, it was the, the really, at the moment, on current form, they're definitely the ones to beat um, themselves and saying, Pat, are going to play each other now in a couple of weeks, and already oh, that's shaping up to be an absolute cracking game. Yeah, a couple of great goals in that. I think Carly had a screamer as well. So that it yeah, was, it was yeah. a, a really good performance from Sligo. Neve, I presume you watched the game. I got to see highlights of it. But Bose, what do you make of Bose? Are they were they worrying at all to Sligo Rovers, or or were Sligo in total control? Oh no, they did have areas. They did plays of periods of possession, and they did have some good passes and good good play. I just think. Rovers seemed to press quite high. I think that's where they lacked. And at times there were large gaps in the defensive line, which gave us space to, you know, easily pass. And like Nathan said, chipping. That seems to be something we brought in this yeah. season particularly. But uh, that really just went through their defence like crazy because they were quite spaced out. That's the one area they lacked on, I think. It gave away a lot of the goals. But uh, in the forward line, the midfield, they were very good. Lots of good passing, particularly at the start of the, the game, the first maybe 15, 20 minutes. But... Like a lot of Rovers fans are saying, or Sligo Rovers fans, sorry, that that game was the first, or sorry, the best game we played in years. And I think it was, particularly the latter half of the, the first half. So, look, it was a hard side to play, but they did definitely have periods of possession as well. Yeah, Nathan Longford and Finn Harps drew nil-nil. I, I switched over every now and again to watch it and nothing ever caught me eye so I didn't hang around watching it uh, from what I've been told that there wasn't too much that went on in that game but Oli Horgan will be delighted with a point and I'm sure uh, Longford won't be too disappointed either No, no he wouldn't and uh, in fairness that's, that's one good thing you know when we, we record the podcast the day after um, the day after I don't know what happened to me boys the day after um, the, the game they have a bit of a moment you can go back and watch highlights and, and gauge some fan reaction. And in fairness, the Finn Hearts fans seem to be, um, well, they're happy enough to take a point on the road. You feel the game was there for the taking and that the likes of Adam Foley up top was really missed and, and they had a couple of good chances that were just squandered. But yeah, I think in the grand scheme of teams, like I said, Ollie Hogg and Finn Hearts, the, the fans themselves, will, they'll be happy enough, I think, uh, going to uh, going to Longford, you know, and taking the point. Because we've seen what Longford can do at home, you know, these battered Derry in the opening game of the season and they really do look like they're going to try and make Bishop's Gate an absolute fortress. 
So yeah, I think it's um by engaging the reaction of the fans, it, it seems to be on as even, and it seems to be both be happy enough, and and uh, they move on again. Uh, Finn Harps have, have a big game coming up on Friday against St. Pat's, so it'll be interesting to see how they get on. And same with Longford. Longford are playing uh, Waterford away from home on Saturday, so two sides that you'd, you'd imagine might be down in the bottom end of the table, so uh, come the end of the season. So, yeah, they'd be looking for something there with that, I think. Yeah, they'd, they'd be really fans themselves against the struggling Waterford side. Yeah, games this weekend, Nathan. The big one, of course, is Shamrock Rovers versus Bowes. How do you see this going? Does it like does form go out the window? Is this one of the derby games that you just anything can happen? Do you know what? I wouldn't think so, really. I think that's sort of a matter of fact when the crowds there. I think when you get swept up in the occasion itself, uh, derbies do tend to go out. If form goes out the window in these sort of games, but the fact that you know it's going to be another subdued uh, atmosphere, it's going to be nobody in the ground, so. I, especially in Palace Stadium, yeah, I find Shamrock Rovers to, to win this one. Um, again, by looking at highlights and going off fan engagement, Bowles were, were fairly poor in the night against Sligo Rovers. Well, it did it seemed to be more of a better Sligo Rovers performance rather than a bad Bohemian performance. But yeah, I, I, I'd find the Shamrock Rovers now and this one, I have to say. Um, yeah, it, 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 it really is. It's, um, it's a stop and start sort of uh, season at the moment for Bowles, isn't it? You know, we looked like they were, they were doing well. They had a uh, we got a couple of good results under the belts, and now again it's going to be going back to stop there. So it will be well. It will be a big statement for them to get something here uh, away uh, up in Palace Stadium. I just can't really see it happening at the moment. I think while Shamrock Rovers have probably rolled that look a little bit in the last two games, relying on late goals, uh, those are the things you know. Uh, I hate to say it, but when it comes to winning titles, that's the sort of bit of luck you need, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And Niamh, Pats are away to Finn Harps. Do Finn Harps really need their, their best 11 out all the time to, to compete and to win games? And if they don't, they may struggle and uh, probably like the, the game there the other night. Do you expect Pats to go there and win or are Ollie Horgan's team to cause a few problems? I think it'll be quite a, a, a kind of violent game or a feisty game. There'll be a real fight put up, I think. But I do think Finn Harps will just have that extra edge, that extra kind of drive in them. Uh, the likes of Cochrane, I just have a feeling he can get a goal. I don't know why I feel that, but I do. Uh, but like you said there, a few minutes ago, uh, it's quite likely sometimes some of the clubs, they tend to put on the same start 11 all the time. And then other clubs are always mixing it up. Uh, like Bulls tend to mix it up a bit. Driver Rovers tend to have the same start 11 nearly every single time, bar one or two changes. So it will be interesting to see what Finn Harps do. Will they kind of soften it up a bit to try and get another win? Or will they kind of stick with the same side? So I'm sure you'd see that as well. Yeah, well, I hope it's not a violent game. I hope they haven't got machetes down their socks or anything like that. Feisty <laughs> <laughs> might do, yeah. Violence, although those lads from Pats, you just never know. Dundo- well, we, have, we have to get the game. We have to get the game back to where it used to be, right? We've got to be soft nowadays. Oh, yeah, need, yeah. A good, need, a, need a good stabbing every now and again. That's it, yeah. Coming <laughs> off the pitch with all your limbs, it's just not as exciting. Dundalk and Drogheda, local derby as well, Nathan. Yeah, yeah, a couple of uh, good marquee games to look out for, isn't it? Um, I tell you what, they'll be up for this, won't they? I know they'll be up for it anyway because it's a derby game, but considering everything that's going on and off the field at Oriel Park, they will be well up for this. And I'd love to see the reaction, I suppose, um, of Dundalk fans in the stadium now, especially if they, were, if they weren't to get results against Jordan and on Saturday, you know, because they'll be expecting that. Even forget everything that's going on at the moment. You know, this is a newly promoted draw to the side and they're playing at home. So Dundalk would be really well fancy themselves in this one. But 
I would not be surprised to, to see um, even Drata come out with at least a draw on this one because really just Dundalk are just struggling badly now for uh, just just to get a win on the board and just to really post uh, kickstart the season I suppose you know well this could be the game I think we, I said it as well like for the Derry game on Tuesday oh this could be the one to kickstart but the longer that that goes on the more obvious it becomes and the more difficult it comes to really get things going so. Yeah, look, while it could be one that could kickstart kick that season, yeah, it would be, I would not be looking at these as series underdogs, I have to say. Yep. Uh, Sligo are playing Derry in Sligo. I just have a sneaky feeling Derry are going to sneak something from this game. Not necessarily beat them, but I think they might take points from Sligo. Neve, uh, I'll let you talk about that one. And then obviously Waterford are playing Longford Town. And you're, that can kind of swing anyway, can't it? Yeah, exactly. Both of those games will be quite hard to gauge, to be honest. Like, Derry can come out quite strong when they want. And like you said, they can often just sneak up and you, you think they're kind of doing mediocre and all of a sudden then they score. So I think they're aside, we have to be careful with Sligo Rovers. But again, if we do bring out the same drive and the same starting level and the same sort of performance as we did there yesterday, it's, it's going to be quite an easy win. But if that can happen is, is the question. And it might not. That might have been kind of a lucky one. But we are looking strong. Derry have their strong sides as well, so it's going to be a tough enough game. But I, I think Sligo Rovers could probably manage a win. But I think both teams will manage to score. To be honest, I don't see it being an easy win, but I do think both will score. And then who tops that off? Obviously, we don't know. But I'd like to think Sligo, but of course that's just me. <laughs> Nathan, we looked just at the first division at Longa, Wexford, Cabinthilly, Shells, Treaty, Cork, Galway, UCD. What do you make of the first division so far? And uh, like, there's a couple of teams disappointing and a couple of teams surprising. Yeah, it's enjoyable, isn't it? And uh, it's sort of living up to expectations. A lot of us are saying it's going to be an open season and it's already um, shaping up that way. Yeah, my collective boys at Lone Town on top of the table. That's, I, I think that's a thing now. I think you are to willing that into, exist, into existence. That I'm, uh, I'm a nature of Atlanta fan now. So look, in for a, in for a penny, in for a pound, why not? Uh, yeah, look, at long UCD having the two for me. I think Shells are still, they're getting there now, you know, they're starting to pick up speed. Like I said, it was really important for them, for one of their strikers to get off the mark, and Yo-Yo Maddie does that, done that over the weekend, so I think that could be a good catalyst for them to move on. I was to say, I was a bit underwhelmed by Galway, to say the least at the moment. Um, second bottom out of the table at the minute, I know again, we've only played three games, but... I was expecting uh, John Coffey to come out all one place in the full fourth season. Well, he could still turn it around. Yeah, I think they'll be looking at Galway and Cork probably as the two sides that have underwhelmed, especially uh, Galway. So I really had them up there in, in the top end of the table to be fighting from the world goal, especially getting a draw from Shelbourne in, in the opening game. You know, that was a good uh, good catalyst to them. So, but they just haven't really got going ever since, have they? No, um, and Cove obviously are playing Bray on the Saturday night. Um, and from what I've heard about Bray, they they had Connor Clifford out injured. They have uh, Shaw, who's on the bench, hasn't started a game. So things haven't gone to plan for them either. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see if these teams can start turning things around because there's certain teams that you're expecting to be pushing for a place and they haven't really kind of made that start. So it'll be interesting. It's a bit like the Premier Division. OK, we'll go with, uh, I suppose we have to talk slightly about the European Super League. And while it started and was over in no time, it did get us thinking about the League of Ireland. Uh, one question was put out there today that I've seen. Would it be of interest, Neve? we'll go with you first, 
to have the 50 plus one rule where the, the, the fans have the majority and uh, 49% goes to investors and what have you just to make sure that these clubs are never sort of taken away from us in any way not that they're going to go off in the Super League but in, in any way in any direction that the clubs didn't the fans didn't really want the club to go Yeah look nobody wants their club sold out like that you know and that'd be a horrible thing to do and a club as well it's a very community based thing a lot of them are partly owned by supporters and things like that so yeah I think that would be a good thing to bring in in a way just to give that sense of security because nobody wants their club bought out by kind of the big boys with the money and then once they have kind of more control over the club, what they do and what they don't do, the supporters have no say, even though the supporters are often ones that have built up that club and built it into the league. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of fans, it, it kind of brought about that whole question of money and how much for part it does play in football and can play in football. And uh, it can be quite dangerous if it gets too involved because then it relies way too much on money. And next thing you know, supporters might not have much of a say where they do now. So it's quite a complicated question, yeah. But yeah, Nathan, we all want millionaires and billionaires to come in and run our club. A few teams, if you look like the Bows and probably Shamrock Rovers, who have a certain percentage of the fan. I know Bows is one hundred percent run by the fans. Cork as well. What way would you like to see clubs being run? Because there has to be a little bit of give and take. They can't. Uh, the 100% model's fine if everyone's all in and it seems to be working for Bose, but that doesn't always be the case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. I think you have to have a bit of the best of all worlds, really. Like, and I, do, I, I, I think the League of Ireland, you know, it, you do, like you said, you see clubs that, um, like Cork City, Bose, even Sligo Rovers. Sligo Rovers are probably actually the best model of, it, of a fan-owned club in the league. Um, and while it's brilliant to have that nice feeling of, you know, it's a community-based league, and which it should be, and, you know, fundraising and we're all in this together, it's just, we, we, we've seen that it, it can be set up to fail too, you know, and I think that while, no, like you said, nobody wants to come in and see the league get uh, get overrun by millionaires, and, and while we're never going to be in the issue of what the Premier League was in, but we'd hate to see, just suppose the league become commercialised and for the fans to stop being fans and to be the tone of the customers, you know, and that was I even seen a line with everything that was going on over the past forty eight hours in the in the European Super League. That not that League of Ireland fans had a bit of a big head, but no, we I think it sort of justified was a little bit of why we go to games. Or why we we choose. Because that's what it is, the choice to support local football instead of, you know, uh, being fully committed in the English game. And look I I'm 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 hopefully happy to say that like a lot of League of Ireland fans, you know, I, I support an English club as well, but I think it's sorry, you know, it's the difference of when you actually go to these games live on a week in, week in basis. So I think to lose that will be an absolute crying shame. But again, look, I can only talk about what I know and what I know is saying past jobs that they have a Kelleher in there and that was the owner and the finances backing by him. It's been really, really good. So I think you do have to, yeah, I think you have to have a sort of, you, you can't fully rely on a 100% basis all the time on, on fan-owned clubs. It's just, it's difficult to sort of maintain that if, if the interest isn't there because it, it, it all depends on, on, on the backing of a town and the backing of a national community and if that community isn't willing to, to get into the back of a club it's just not going to happen on, on a long-term basis. Yeah, one of the things that kind of annoyed me about the whole thing was with the European Super League was that there was a lot of people coming out and a lot of different people on different platforms coming out and going, you know, yeah, we've seen this, go out and support your local team and go out and support your League of Ireland team. I just, that really annoyed me. I thought that was just bullshit because it's not, it's not up to, you know, 
people to go to a game because it's just local. It's up to the clubs to no lure those people in and whatever way that is whether that's going around the communities and getting involved more in the communities if that's getting out to football clubs around the area and getting themselves involved with the clubs around the area to lure people in you can't they can't just sit there and hope that people are going to turn up just because there's a stadium around the corner that's not the way it works and i think the league of Ireland have been so naive over all these years and the people who are calling for you to go out and watch a league of Ireland game just because it's around the corner it's absolute nonsense absolutely bullshit you have to make sure that you lure people in firstly by the experience on the night uh, secondly obviously by the, the the players on the pitch and thirdly to have one of the biggest things about a club is to have a connection with the community so there, ha- there has to be some trust some uh, connection that the football club looks after the community, so the community looks after the football club. You just work together in harmony. So this thing of, and I think anyone listening to this who who has said that kind of nonsense needs to have a good think to themselves. What are you going on about? We have to look at the League of Ireland and say, yes, we have a, something that can be really, really good. But at the moment, the league's and the, and, the, and the clubs are failing at the moment. Not all, some are starting already, but mostly they're not getting the people in. They're just hanging on there to the, to the fans, the loyal fans that they have, and they're not luring more people in. So I really think that there's a lot more to be done. Yeah, no, uh, 100%. It's, yeah, for me, I have to uh, there's a lot to unpack there, but for me, I'd go back to your point about uh, the, the getting into the community. And the fact that a community development officer in the club has only become a recent thing in the licensing uh, credentials even is crazy. That's something that should be within these clubs uh, since the world go. You know, like, yes, you definitely you, you cannot just accept people to just arrive in their doorstep. You have to entice them down, give them a reason to come down. Whether that be, like you said, going to local clubs and even you have to hand out these tickets. These are things to get people down. If you get a group of 20 kids coming down, and three of them kids say, that's when you're seeing good results. Even if there's only three kids, it's, it's, it's three long-term fans that you would have never got by not getting off your ass and not actually trying to entice these local guys in the community down or girls to, to, to watch the game. And yeah, it, it really, really is. And I think as well, going back to that, going about what I think fans got a bit, little bit on the high horse. And while I did look at it as a perspective of saying, you know, if it was done right, the whole European Super League team could be a good angle for the League of Ireland side to come at. But that's not up to you know, fans to be berating people to go to local games. That's up to the FAI and that's up to clubs themselves to, you know, to to make fans that might feel a bit disingenuous with our English team. To say, well, look, here's what we can offer you. Come down and, and give them reasons to come down and support local local football. And I think if, even if you talk to the, the fans that aren't into the League of Ireland, well, they will talk, you know, you'll always get this, this you know, it's a choice standard of football. It's not a choice standard of football. Let's, let's be real. Just because they're, they're, you know, they're, they're not on the big book doesn't mean they're shy footballers. Like every football, you get down, you see a good game, you see a bad game. You talk about the facilities. Right, the facilities do need work badly and it needs, it needs investment big time. There's a lot of clubs out there really struggling with, with poor standard facilities. Like again, I hate, I always think they, they pick on all your park when this comes up. But this is a side that's been champions um, dominating the league for the last number of years and to, to go there is absolutely embarrassing but as well I think one thing that stops a lot of fans coming down new fans coming down 
is he perceives that League of Ireland fans have like a holier than their image on themselves. You know, they feel that they sort of owe something away because they go and, and support local football. And the funny thing is, I, I could probably almost guarantee, like I, I have friends of mine that, that don't go to the League of Ireland games. And if they were to all of a sudden say, do you know what, I feel let down by Manchester United, I feel let down by Liverpool, I'm going to go down and watch Pasta, watch Bowers, or watch Shamba, or watch whoever, wherever it may be. I can guarantee that they'd get a little bit of, of, of you know, not harassment, but there'd be comments, you know, well, you're only supporting the league now. And now you're only supporting, you're only doing this, you're only coming down because of the European Super League. And that's going to stop people coming down too, you know, where we can't be, we can't be champion. Like, oh, we want new fans, we want new fans, and then when new fans come, we're, we're berating them because they haven't been there since 1980. Or they haven't been there since the good, the, the, the glory days when we've been struggling. Now, really, we should always be open to fans coming down, and we shouldn't just be relying on fans to come down. We have to give them a reason to come down, whether that be getting out in the community, or whether that be improving facilities, which, and it, that's not only down to clubs, that's down to the FEI and the government in general. But, yeah, it, it, it needs to be open and welcoming, and it doesn't need to be, you know, we... we we, we do this because we love doing it. We love going to watch. I love going down to watch my team play. I love going down to watch any team play. I've said a lot of times in the podcast, I'm living at Sligo, and I've gone to the showgrounds even as a neutral. And I love it. I love just going to watch Sligo football. And you can't berate people into doing that. That has to give them a reason to come down and, and to enjoy what you enjoy. Yep, yep. Uh, I, I echo that. Um, we'll leave that one there before we all get too annoyed. Quick, uh, I suppose, a quick update, Neve. Euro 2020 decisions have kind of really been made on this now. The government have come out, UEFA have said it as well, that it's, they can't guarantee that they'll fill 25% of the Aviva. So it's dead in the water, so isn't it? Yeah, look, I mean, that was always the question that was kind of in the dark, whether or not we could fill the stadiums with the regulations in place with COVID. And I think we always thought it was quite unlikely they would be able to do that. And Leo Radker came out, I think, and made a statement on that recently as well. So, look, it just wouldn't really be safe. It'd be a risk bringing in loads of people from different areas and even just from Ireland itself, all bringing them into like to Dublin. It's quite risky, but it seems that it's not really going to be very possible to do that. So I wouldn't get our hopes too high on it. Like, idealistic, it'd be be a great thing to have. We'd love it in normal days, but even economically and, and physically with health, I, I don't think it's something that's safe and something that we can manage to do as a country overall, unfortunately, just the way it's timed. Yeah, I'm I'm probably a bitter man here. I'm probably happy that it's not coming. We're not in it, so <laughs> don't want to know about it. <laughs> Stomp me feet. It was hard to get excited about, wasn't it? Yeah. It really was. Yeah. Like, if you're not in it and you're hosting it, it just doesn't, make, doesn't feel right, you know. Right, we'll, we'll pretend it's not happening. So, okay, uh, the, the Derry City documentary. Nave, did you see the Derry City documentary? I did, yeah. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I really did. And the footage and everything was just so interesting. Like, I knew a bit about Derry themselves, obviously, being near enough to me in Sligo, but I didn't know the history that well. I just thought it was so interesting. And it came out at a really good time with this whole Super League question, you know, clubs being support or run. And, the role that fans can have and sports can have and money can take over a club. It, it was really well timed, but just a fascinating documentary. I I advise anyone who hasn't seen it to get it on the player because it's just it shows a lot about generally how the League of Ireland clubs are built and ran through supporters and through figures like those four men. Nathan, what do you make of it? Yeah, really enjoyed it. Um I actually recorded but I actually don't remember the last time I recorded something. <laughs> so I watched the back stage the day. Yeah, look, obviously for all that Derry City fans, it's a much watch. But I think even for the younger, not even just for the younger League of Ireland fans in general, you know, it, it, 
it's some really, really very interesting footage um, of back back in they were sitting in the late eighties. Really, really enjoyable, I have to say. Um, very informative as well, you know, with someone that obviously was born and raised in Dublin, you know, never really near Derry City. So even to come at it from a learning point of view as a younger fan, that's always trying to you know, get more knowledge on, on yesteryear in the League of Ireland. Yeah, it's got a really, really enjoyable. And I suppose another actually show, I, I watched a Derry City documentary a good while ago, a couple of years ago now, and I came across it while just having a little bit of prep for this, uh, for any Derry City, any, again, Derry City fans and non-Derry City fans. Search uh, Passion Play on YouTube. Again, a similar documentary. Um, it's, it's, I think it came out around 30 years ago, so this is how far back we're going. Uh, again, just about the, the, back, the background of the history of, of Derry City. It's, they, they probably did touch on it in, in the recent documentary, but there's some older archive footage that maybe some older Derry City fans might be interested in. So yeah, if anyone wants to, uh, wants to give that little look, that could be one that any listener might enjoy. As I even uh, for a younger non-Derry City fan I found that one very, very enjoyable there you go Nathan's Teleguide okay fans questions yep. Nathan you didn't give us any heads up on this so this will be interesting I know I know I'm becoming a bit of a unreliable uh, war colleague I, I, I'm sorry about that guys because uh, the one last week was sorry you know I was sort of glad we didn't do it last week but this week I was just just all on me I suppose I have to own that <laughs> nice. I'm, 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 I'm probably I'm, Putting me dirty laundry out there, hearing me, me bad grievances as a bad employee. So, sorry, does that good? Go uh, get on with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, again, thanks for sending them in, everybody. You can you can get the fan questions into the big kickoff on any of our social media platforms. Yeah, keep them coming. Uh, we've got one in. It's actually not by Ronan Kavanagh this week. We had Ronan on for the past month, so we've got to change it up. Uh, it got sent in, just the one from Jason O'Neill. And Jason wants to know. So we've had obviously a couple of weeks now of League of Ireland action under our belts. So by looking at the jerseys this season as a collective, so looking at home and away jerseys, what team has done the best work in terms of jerseys this season? Neve, go on, fire away. I wonder what this is going to be. <laughs> well, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> no, but our away jersey has, has given a bit, a bit of fame to the club online. I've seen a lot of people going on about it because it's new. We usually have navy or something like that when we're away or the red and stripes, but it's kind of white with nice black lines, so it's, it's new. We're white instead of red. It's brought a lot of attention, I suppose. I like it. But apart from that, I'm going to go with Dundalk as well. You know the way they did the orange stripes for the train? Uh, going back, obviously, to their heritage in the area, I thought that was very good as well. As a history fan as well, so I, I really I love that jersey. Uh, is that what yeah, the they're the top two. Is that what the orange stripes are? Do yeah, the, it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. now see that already makes a rotten jersey seem a bit more likable. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't remember the name now with the train company, but it's, it's going back historically. If you look it up, I should know. I'm a history student, but I can't remember the name. But uh, <laughs> that's where it comes through. Yeah, it's probably worth the more you know. <laughs> no. uh, I actually like Finn Harps the green jersey the sort of what is luminous kind of. couldn't think of the word luminous yeah the luminous jersey yeah I, I, I like that jersey for some reason like you always see the European clubs come out with really bright coloured and, and, and they always suit them for some reason and then when you see maybe English clubs or something it doesn't suit them but I think this Finn Harps one, I, I like it. I think it's it's just different because you normally associate obviously Finn Harps with the just the blue and what have you. Sometimes it's a bit drab, but I think that stands out and I think it looks well. And I suppose if you're winning, it makes it look even better. Yeah, so I think I think that one's nice. Uh, listen, 
Bose jersey, home jersey is always nice jersey. Black and red is always nice. The stripes always looks well. Drogheda, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not mad on that colour. Anyhow, so they could do anything with their jersey. I probably wouldn't be too mad with it. Yeah, there's a few okay ones. What do you reckon of Dundalk's home one, Nathan? It's just the black stripe down the middle. That's all right. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's certainly. Do you know what? It's better than having five bananas. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, Depends on which I give you. Yeah, yeah. Come here. I, I, like, we had Paddy Power on New Jersey over a decade ago, and it was hellish looking. But it doesn't matter, does it? You know, you get you get a couple of quid coming in. Uh, yeah, it's all right. Not, it's not like an over-crime against football or anything, but there's definitely nicer ones uh, in, in the in the league, especially in the Premier Division. I'm actually just like, I like Drotted. I like Drotted as a collector. But I, I think Do you? Do you like that kind of maroon-y colour? Yeah. Oh, I'm a sucker for it. You want to see me. Any time I'm on a, even a night out and it has to be like burgundy or wine, I don't know what it is. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm a miserable bloke. Like, you know, like I just black and just... And just Everything that's just not fun. But all of a sudden, I'm like Elton John and I'm like, yeah, we're just, ah, like, here's a nice purple top and I put that on me. And like, what am I doing? I don't know what it is. I just, oh, yeah, I'm mad about all like that colour. So that colour scheme for me was, it, it could be any design. I think I'd probably like it. So yeah, as a collective, as a home and a, a wager as a collective, I like sort of it. Um, looking at even just elective jerseys, Cork City's home jerseys this season is an absolute bell down turn. I did have to have really pulled, uh, pulled the going out there for them. Actually, yeah, I think Cork is probably the nicest in the fourth division. Even again, Hayley and Boyle, I think Pat is a decent couple of decent numbers. Uh, the wagers in particular is really is, is, is nice to look at. But yeah, I think I'll, I'll stick with Jordan. Yeah, I like Jordan this season. Jordan as a collective and Cork City's home jersey. Well, I'm actually I'm looking here at Drogheda as a away jersey. I much prefer the 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 away Man. jersey. It's 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 nice. It's neat and it's not maroon. Uh, what about the <laughs> <laughs> what about the Bose away one? Uh, Fontaine's DC are sponsoring that one, but I th- I actually think that's not a bad jersey. Although it's uh, Rob Cornwell is is doing the the model in there, and he has muscles coming out his nostrils here, so it kind of makes it look uh, it fit, probably fits him well. But then some of us probably might not fit as well. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? When when you do that, uh, getting catfish for a jersey, always the same. I got the pattern off the basis of. Looking at Matty Smith, I was like, "Oh, that looks class on Matty Smith." Then I ordered, then I soon realised, oh, "I'm not Matty Smith. I'm a chubby lad from Dublin, not a real Scottish <laughs> lad." So all of a sudden, I was like, "Ah, Fatty Smith." Fatty Smith. <laughs> there you go. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a nickname. I hope I hope doesn't stick on this podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but now, back to the balls. I know I think it's a sweet jersey in fairness. Um, Fontaine's DC, a good band as well. So shout out to them and. It's, Good, good, uh, good coverage for them too. So it's good to see. In fairness to Bowers, I'm always pretty good at initiatives like that, Andy. Yeah. Like yeah. a local music act. So in fairness, you know, we work for it. It's pretty good. And even last year, we did the whole the, the refugees welcome sponsorship. You know, they seem to be fairly on the pulse with, with things like that. So yeah, it's a nice looking jersey as well, even away from the sponsor. So yeah, they've done well. And yeah, I'm the same as you on the home jersey. It's the same every year, but it's just a classic, isn't it? It is. Yeah, that's it. Okay, we're going to leave it there. Thanks very much for that. We'll join us again this week. Of course, big game is Rovers against Bowes this weekend, but you know, that's just top versus bottom, really, isn't it? So, uh, is it as big as it was? You can tell us. Oh, and Sports Bar.
don't forget League of Ireland Sports Bar on every Friday night if you go to YouTube or if you have a look at our Facebook chat uh, group or our Facebook page you will go and you'll see this League of Ireland Sports Bar uh, come and join us send in your comments uh, you know you can come on as well with us all it is a click you send your email we click you in and you can make your comment and debate with us if you want talk to you soon bye